0: Hello and welcome to another edition of the Duct Tape Marketing Podcast. This is your host, John Jantz, and my guest today is John Spence. He is an executive educator and professional speaker, and maybe we'll get an even better definition out of him for that. Uh, Author of the book, Awesomely Simple, and we're going to talk about strategic thinking, high-performance teams, advanced leadership development, and delivering consistently superior customer service and other BS that small business owners don't need to deal with. Right, John?
1: Oh, yeah. It, it, well, if you don't want to be in business, there's no reason to know this stuff.
0: <laughs> well, you know, I, I, I welcome, first off. Um, Thank you, but, John. Uh, I, I say that half kidding, half not kidding, because I think that uh, I know you know what page I'm on, but there are a lot of small yeah. business owners out there, that I think they, they look at some of this vision and values and mission, and, you know, isn't that just a bunch of hooey that big organizations need to worry about uh, so they can justify their existence?
1: Not at all. I mean, you know, I've run big organizations and small organizations, and and I I have clients all the way up into the Fortune 10. But to give you a a prime example, this Monday I ran a high-performance team building class for a company with five employees and one owner, six people in the whole company. And the number one issue they had was we don't understand the vision of the company, where we're trying to go, what's most important, how to prioritize our work. So, you know, you can look at a Microsoft or a GE or an IBM or a Qualcomm. Yes, they need to have a clear vision and they've got 100 or 300,000 employees. But it goes all the way down to the same thing for a six-person firm. People need to understand as clearly as possible, what are we here for? What are we trying to achieve? What is the future like? Because once that's clear, it helps them make faster decisions, helps them prioritize their work, and it gives them a sense of meaning and excitement and motivation for why they're coming to work every day.
0: Yeah, I I actually believe, and we can, well, I do want to chop into each of these uh, six different items a little bit uh, specific for the small business. I actually believe that small businesses have an advantage in implementing and getting value out of some of the things you talk about. I think sometimes it's harder to communicate um, a clear vision across a 10,000 person organization than it is to sit around with five people and, and all say, yeah, we're on the same
1: page. It's dramatically harder in a large organization. And then another another huge advantage for a small business is one of the things that makes a vision the most compelling to an employee is having a say in it, Mm. Um, feeling like they get to put their thumbprint on it. They got some input because with input and contribution comes commitment. And it's hard to share the vision and let 310,000 or 10,000 employees have input on it. It's really easy to sit around the, the table with six, you know, five employees and say, what do you guys think? You know, what's important to you? What motivates you? What do you want to have happen here? Uh, I agree. I think there's a big advantage.
0: So um, let's talk about each of the, of, of the items. And I really, I, I love books that are, uh, I'm not, well, it's simples in the title. So I guess I can say that are simple in that uh, uh, you, you can just say, Hey, we're going to, you know, here are five or six concepts and, and, you know, we can take them as complex or as simple as you want. But um, this idea of, of, Chapter one, I think it is vivid vision. Um, the, the idea of, of you know vision and values and and purpose and um, you know how does the one to five person shop kind of do that? I mean, I, I think what instinctively what maybe happens if somebody's doing it, they maybe haven't. I, I find myself I fall into this. I maybe haven't crafted this crisp statement, but I'm sort of living who I am and my my own personal values, and I think that that probably. Has an attractiveness of its own.
1: I th- I think in a small business, you're right. It's going to be personal because it's going to reflect the values, the wishes, uh, the the vision of the owner. I mean, it's it's your business. It's your money. You're wrapped up to it. It's it's your whole life. It should reflect who you are and permeate permeate the organization that way. But I think the key thing to understand, at least from my standpoint, with vision, values, purpose, mission, is you don't have to craft something that's you know a a literary award winning thing. If it's clear, if it's simple, I love the way Guy Kawasaki puts it. He says, you know, make it a mantra. Just make, some, make something that everyone on your team knows we're here for three things or four things. And, and by the way, I also think with a small business that it's absolutely great to have a mission or a vision around just building a quality company that will take care of our employees, create a great life mm-hmm. for us, and allow us to have fun at work and make, good, you know, make decent money.
0: Yeah, so. i I think one of the most attractive things a company can do is just that have a have you know have a real clear understanding and obviously authentic you know I mean it's great to make up you know rallying cries but you got to live them right. but um, um, but but just why we do what we do I, I think that that is very appealing uh, from an employee standpoint from a customer standpoint from a supplier standpoint
1: well you know the I I've owned a couple of different businesses in my in my life and run a couple of different ones, from very large, very small. The last business I owned was an advertising firm, and we built that strictly as a quality of life firm. Our goal wasn't to take over the world. Our goal wasn't to be the best advertising mm-hmm. in the. Our goal was let's build a really, really high quality firm that does amazing work for our clients, keeps them very happy and allows our employees to have lots of flexible time to have great work-life balance and really enjoy where they come to work every day while they improve on their craft.
0: Yeah. So, so one of the issues in getting that across or, or making that happen though, was you, you had to communicate
1: that too, right? Exactly right. You know,
0: cause I think that's probably the challenge I see some folks having, or it's not even a challenge. It's just, they don't think to do this is that, you know, they have this, this mission and values and purpose and vision, but they don't, they don't you know tell the story they don't make it a core part of of who the you know or what the business is I mean so uh, give me some thoughts on on maybe how somebody who knows hey here's what I want this thing to be um, how do they get that across in a way that that makes sense
1: cool well, the first thing is and you said it earlier, but it's the key is it's got to be authentic mm-hmm. this isn't about some you know rallying cry or some big thing it's it's Tell the truth from your heart about what you're trying to accomplish. There's lots of ways to do this. You know, you can have the pull everybody together and let me stand up and tell you about it. Uh, You can have the, this is the way I did it is, uh, at the beginning of every year, I sent out a very long memo to my entire team, six or seven pages. It would take me a week or two to write it. I would write it as honestly, as heartfelt as I possibly could and say, As we enter this next year, here's let's let's keep these things in mind. This is what's most important to focus on. These are the values we all live by. This is what we're trying to create here. And here's what all of you can do to help support that. And then what I would do is have a sit down meeting with each of them independently and say, what does this mean to you? Do I need to change it? Is there some stuff you'd like to add? Mm -hmm. And so we used, and I would from time to time when I realized that things were flagging or we had a problem or maybe we weren't exactly where we needed to be, I would just send out a memo to my entire staff and say, hey, I've reattached the memo. We used to call him the famous John Spence you know, mm-hmm. me, you know, know, annual memo. I've reattached the memo for this year. Would you take a look at it? And that'll kind of refresh. And here was another interesting thing, John. I've been doing this all the way since the, the first company I, I ran in 1989, is I was able to say, hey, pull back the memo from the year before, the year before, the year before, the year before, and you're going to see it's all consistent. Mm. We have the same core values. We're trying to do the same stuff. So that also gave a lot of security people to say, I know where we're going, and from year to year, it's not changing too much. We're on a path for excellence. We're on a path for having fun. Uh, and then you can, you know, I let, used to leave voicemails for my folks late in the evening when I knew they were gone or they should be gone. Every now and then I would call at midnight, and someone would answer the phone. I'd say, what are you there? Go home and be with your family. But you know, most of the time, I'd leave them voicemails saying, hey, I appreciate, you know, individual, personal ones saying, I appreciate what you're doing. I saw the work you did this week for the client. It was awesome. And I just want to remind you that we're here to do, and then I'd give them the vision value stuff. So it can be one-on-ones. It can be at parties, all hands. It can be an email and a voicemail. But the key thing is relentless, consistent, over and over again with the vision. Uh, I I find company after company after company I've worked with that one of the number one challenges is lack of well-communicated vision. The owner worries about it. They think about it. They're all up at night. The senior management team sits around and talks about it. But if you go two levels down in the organization, they look around and they go, we don't really know what the vision or the direction of the organization is. And that's a shame.
0: My vision is to keep my manager off my butt. There
1: you go. (laughs) All
0: right. right, uh, Chapter two, best people. And this is one that uh, so many people say, you know, hire the best people. But from a small business, and maybe I'm projecting a little here, (laughs) from a small business owner standpoint, you know, it's kind (laughs) of tough sometimes. I mean, um, you know, maybe the best. Talent out there is very expensive. Maybe I don't really have time to figure out who the best is. So this is a place where people really fall down. And and we could probably say we could probably extend this to not just employees, but uh, suppliers, partners, you know, all the other working parts that a a small business might have uh, as part of their ecosystem.
1: You know, that's an outstanding point you just made because not all small businesses understand that your vendors, your partners, your suppliers, your strategic alliances are in large part part of your employee base or or they make up a huge part of your success. And and you said it as well. A lot of companies give this lip service and it's a shame because I'm a huge believer that the, the, the future of your business is tied directly to the quality of the people you can get and keep on your team. Uh, and if you believe that, and if you shake your head vigorously and say, yes, 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 I agree, then it just stands to reason that you ought to be spending some time, energy, and effort on making sure that, A, you're a connoisseur of talent, that you really understand the kind of people you want on your team, where they are, how you can find them, and create a pipeline of talent towards your company, and then make it a great place to work once those folks get there so you can grow and keep that talent, which, you know, you, you mentioned, and it's the biggest pushback I, got, I get is, John, you know, I'd like to hire the best talent, but they're too expensive. Right. The truth of the matter is top talent does not come for money. Uh, yes, you have to pay them fairly, but as long as you pay them 10% above or below what they would make to do the same job anyplace else, a fair salary, and you give them an awesome culture, you praise them, you give them a chance for personal growth and personal development and allow them to do meaningful work. You can absolutely attract the very, very best talent in the world because the number one thing they want is not massive pay. It's a real high quality workplace with fair and reasonable pay.
0: You know, it's a great point. I interviewed Scott Cook, who's a, one of the founders of Intuit. Um, and he made a statement that just, you know, it kind of, I just went, wow, <laughs> that is really true. I mean, maybe somebody else told him this, but uh, I'd never heard anybody say this. He says, our best people are all volunteers. Oh, absolutely. Um, and, you know, because they could get this same pay or more tomorrow. Um, and so, you know, you, you have to look at it. You know, what what keeps a volunteer committed and and, and motivated? And it's probably loops back to point number one, doesn't it?
1: Oh yeah, that vision, the excitement, the meaning. Yeah. And you know, I in the last 17 years being a consultant and a trainer worldwide, I've had the chance to work with high potential teams at some of the largest companies in the world. Microsoft, IBM, GE, you know, I mean some of the best of the best. And whenever I'm in front of that group, I I realize that those are voluntary employees. They're so good at what they do that they could quit at noon and they'd have a new job by two. And right. they know that. Yep. So I always look at it and say, what is it attracts you? Why do you come to a place like this? And to a person, they're going to say, I respect my leader and I love working for them. I like the people I work with and I get to do really cool work. Not one of them has ever said, oh, I get paid a ton here. Not (laughs) one. You should
0: see what we have in the coffee machine. Yeah,
1: I mean, Uh, it's unbelievable. (laughs) It's always about I really respect the person I work for. I love my leader. Uh, I really like the people I work with and I love my job. I'm highly engaged in the organization, in my leader, and in my work.
0: This halftime break is brought to you by Constant Contact. Constant Contact helps small businesses and nonprofits build great customer relationships with email marketing, event marketing, and online surveys. Visit them today at ConstantContact.com and sign up for your free 60-day trial. So let's jump to point number three. We may not get all the way through the entire book, but uh, I love this one: um, communication. And and obviously, we could play that as a, as a marketing uh, communication tool. But um, I read something on your blog, and I and I, you know, we were speaking directly about small business, and I think this is so great. I'd love to hear you kind of expand on this. Um, the the other person you have. To be a great communicator with is yourself, and boy, does that um, does that ring true for the person that the small business owner uh, that in many cases is on out there on an island. Uh, so, so talk a little bit about uh, that idea.
1: Well, you know, especially in a, in a small business, you've got to be the person that represents the organization. You also have to be an anchor of reality. You've got to be able to communicate with yourself you've got to be highly self-aware and be able to tell yourself the truth and be honest about that then you're you're also the one that in large part drives the entire marketing message and the entire business message of the company so part of it is a high level of self-awareness being brutally honest with yourself and admitting you know your vulnerabilities your weaknesses when you need help when you need other people on your team that you can't do it all and then number two is realizing that they hear everything you say they see everything you do when you become the leader you're on stage 24 hours a day 7 days a week 365 days a year and you have and it doesn't mean act i'm not saying put you know be an actor yeah. but what i'm saying is every message counts nothing is small
0: yeah i see so often business owners that you know sometimes in the course of the day a customer can be a pain in the butt right
1: mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah.
0: we've all had that and you see a lot of business owners that that Adopt that sort of mindset. Well, you know, I have a good sense that the, that they're probably communicating that to the whole staff that it's okay to 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 diss the customer.
1: Oh, I, years ago, I was talking to a, a small company, and one of the staff members said that they walked by and saw the CEO flipping off the person on the phone, uh, <laughs> and yeah, it was a, uh, it was a customer, and they were not happy, and they were making faces and rolling their eyes and doing that stuff. And here's what the employee said: I wonder if she does that when she's talking to me on the phone yeah and that sent the message it's okay is it a it's okay to do that and b uh uh-oh i wonder if she does that about us when we're not around so you gotta as a small business owner you really give up a lot of freedom to say and say what you feel like saying do what you see you've got to guard it carefully because you're a your messages count all of them count
0: and I was writing about culture in, in uh, my latest book, and it's the line that people feed back to me more often than, than any that, that they say just really impacts them. And I, and I was saying that um, that there's a pretty good chance that your employees are treating your customers exactly like you are treating them. Um, and I think that that's uh, probably – I've had more, more business owners tell them that that was a very chilling thought yeah. um, that, that, you know, that really kind of changed or at least momentarily uh, changed how they, they thought about how they should be treating staff.
1: Yeah, and I heard a, a really good new quote I'd never heard before this week that really is it hit me between the eyes, which is you have to win in the workplace first before you can win in the marketplace.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I mean, if your company, I mean, a lot of times we're talking about very small companies where – uh, the, the chief salesperson and the chief, you know, manufacturing person is the same person. But boy, you get one, two, three, four, five employees, and all of a sudden it's uh, uh, their performance and what what some other folks are doing is going to dictate your success. And and so you're you're absolutely right. Um, jumping to number four, this idea of of urgency, and and what I take really from that, um, I do think that all companies, um, you know, are now in this this idea of where speed. Uh, is everything. I mean, we have real-time and instant search and, you know, real-time information spread. But um, I think for a lot of small business owners, the, the challenge is they've, they've got 80 hours worth of work to do in, you know, in 40 hours. So, you know, how does urgency impact somebody that's feeling overwhelmed?
1: Ah, well, there's, a, there's a, a skill and a tool to learn for someone that's overwhelmed, that's spending a ton of time on a ton of stuff and running around with their hair on fire. And the tool is Learning to say no. Mm. Yeah. It, it, <laughs> you you've been there, I've been there, a lot of the folks listening have been there. But but here's I I teach a class at Wharton every year on strategic thinking, and it was a big epiphany to me a few years ago when I was in the middle of teaching the class that I realized that one of the greatest things that fantastic leaders and great strategic thinkers do is they figure out what to say no to, where to have the courage to say we're not going into that market. Those aren't good clients for us. This isn't a core competency. This is not a product line we're going to bring out. The truth of the matter is most people spend a majority of their time on things that aren't adding massive value and getting big leverage for their company. If they could learn to say no, learn to have the courage to walk away, and and create the focus and the discipline around where they can really win in the marketplace, what they typically find out is they have a lot, lot, lot more time on their hands to be more effective there. But it's that leap of walking away from something that looks like it could potentially be pretty good to stay focused on the stuff that you know will be a home run.
0: Yeah, I I often kid and say I make most of my money every day in about 10 minutes. Absolutely. Um,
1: <laughs> and, yeah.
0: and the rest of it's, you know, unjamming the copier or something. I <laughs> but but uh, it's I, I think that I think part of the issue too is is sort of prioritizing too. I totally Absolutely. agree with you on the saying no, but sometimes it's also a matter of saying, look, we can only do four of these things. You know, what are the two or three most important ones?
1: Yeah, and that's where that courage comes in to say, okay, yeah. we're we're not doing number 5, 6 and 7. We're taking it off the plate. And if we get to it, that's nice. But if we don't, I'm the leader and I understand that we have to get these four things done. And if we do, you know, the Pareto principle, this 20% of stuff is going to drive 80% of our revenue. If we drop, you know, I had someone in one of my classes said, you just have to, if you're juggling a lot of balls, you just have to figure out which ones are rubber and which ones are glass. Make sure you don't drop (laughs) the glass ones. Yeah.
0: Yeah, um, execution is a chapter, and it's certainly a um, you know talked about at every size of organization. Uh, I, I often laugh at at times. I, I will. When I'm speaking, it never seems to uh, fail that somebody will come up and say, hey, I've got this idea for a business, but I can't really share it, you know, because, uh, <laughs> you know, there's, there's some people listening. And, and you know, I, I often, you know, will say, hey, you could share it with <laughs> every single person in this room. And, you know, there's nobody's going to do it, you know. And, and I think that that's probably the, uh, for so many business owners, um, that's the real challenge. They have all these great ideas, but they're, you know, the, how, to, how they get them done and execute them is a real challenge sometimes.
1: Yeah, and, you know, based on my research and working with clients and stuff like that, all the leading people that I've talked to that have said they struggle with this say, we're only effectively executing about 10 to 15% of what we're trying to accomplish. Mm. Think about that. You're leaving 80%, you are 90%, 85% of the, the great stuff on the table. And there, I, there's a, a nine-step process I came up with execution. That's not that big. The key thing here to me, the number one thing in execution is creating clear, specific, measurable quantifiable goals that everyone understands and agrees to and then holding people rigorously accountable to achieving those clear standards and the reason it's so important to go clear quantifiable binary measurable is that takes ego and personality out of it that way it's not saying hey it's me versus you you know you need you need to sell more you say hey you agreed that you would increase your sales by 63 percent you and I are friends and I like you a lot I think you're a great person but you've only increased sales by 43%. We still have to get that last 20. Then it becomes me and you together versus the standards instead of an argument with personality Is I don't think you're doing a good job, or I don't feel like you're working hard enough. It's just simple. You still owe me 20% sales increase.
0: So break that down for the small business who is maybe, you know, you know, not, doesn't have sort of the, you know, all the levels of hierarchy that, you know, I've got four projects I need to get done. You know, how do I, you know, how do I go about, how, how would your nine step execution process work on the fact that I've, you know, I'm, I'm trying to break these things down?
1: Well, if you, if you look at it, it was just one or two people. It's pretty mm-hmm. quick. You can actually skip a couple steps because it's all about communication and right. uh, guiding coalition. But then you get to it and you say, all right, let's prioritize it. Let's figure it out. Let's create these measurements, make sure that there's um, due dates, owners. It's very clear. It's binary. There's no guessing what we're trying to achieve. Oftentimes when I do that with an employee, what is I, I do is I let the employee write out what they will achieve in the next 90 or 120 days. That yeah. way that, there's, yeah, that way there's no argument around it. They can't say, I'm confused. I didn't understand. No, <laughs> I, actually you wrote this and you negotiate a little bit, then you both sign it. It's not a contract. It's a promise. You, I promise to do everything I can to, to get everything you need as your leader to achieve all the stuff that you've just written down. If you achieve all of it, there'll be, a, you know, there'll be a reward. If you don't achieve all of it, you will be made available to industry. It's an exciting <laughs> opportunity. Uh, yeah, but
0: I, but I bet also what happens, I'm going to play the, uh, the, the, the optimist here, is I bet occasionally you go, wow, those are some good ideas in there. I hadn't thought of that. Oh, absolutely. <laughs> right? Yeah.
1: And every now and then you look at it and go, hey, listen, you're not going to be able to do all that. Let me protect yeah. you. And yeah. If you put all this down, you're going to be disappointed. So let's lower your goals a little bit so you can be more successful. And then I think the big thing then after that is transparency, putting the stuff up, posting it, talking about it all the time, measuring it so that everybody knows all the time exactly where they stand. There's no guessing about how am I doing. It's right there on the wall or we talked about it in the meeting or I sent an email out. And that way, everybody in the organization, whether it's two people or 12 or 22, knows where everybody else stands and can help hold themselves both personally and mutually accountable for reaching the goals that the entire company has agreed on together.
0: So I'm talking to John Spence. He's written awesomely simple, and you can find out a ton more at awesomelysimple.com. And John, we're going to finish up with sort of the last point um, that I have at least is this idea of customer focus. Again, another one that, you know, gets there probably entire chap not chapters, entire libraries of books uh, written on th- that topic alone. And I think, you know certainly for the small business, I mean in many cases they they're inherently customer focused because they meet the person, they go deliver the product to them. I mean yeah. they they have a connection that probably is is uh, even stronger. but I think that where the opportunity is missed quite often is is you know maybe looping looping that customer all the way back into what we talked about at the very beginning, that vision and 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 making them actually a part of a greater community. so uh, give me some help on that one.
1: Well, there's there's two quick quotes I'll throw. At you. The first one is uh, old Mark Twain quote: "The only critic whose opinion counts is the customer." Yeah. You know, if you're going and and here's my quote that I think could could summarize the whole book and touches directly on what you focus on every day in your books, John, on both of them, on duct tape marketing and referral engine is, whoever owns the voice of the customer owns the marketplace. Mm-hmm. The person who's created the best relationship, the strongest relationship, who who understands the needs, the wants, the desires, the fears. The hopes of their customer talks to them, listens to them, markets to them well, is the one that's going to have the strongest relationship. And then those customers will drive the success of the business through referrals, through the repeat business, through loyalty, through becoming a raving fan for that business. Um, that really, you take the first five things we talked about, vision, people, um, culture, urgency, and you take all that and focus it on how can I get create the strongest best relationship I humanly can with my customers and listen, listen, listen to them.
0: John, we're out of time. I sure appreciate you taking the time to stop by and share your insights and I I really, uh, I think there is, I mean, if there's one point I want to make is I think a lot of people, I know that a lot of your work is with very, very large organizations, uh, but I I think the ideas in this book um, uh, really, um, in some ways might actually have more immediate impact for, for small organizations and so I appreciate you sharing that.
1: It's my pleasure and it's my honor. Thanks so much, John. I appreciate it.